Hang on. Talk to me. Hello, mate. You all right? Do yeah, I sound okay? Yeah, you sound fine. Yeah, this all makes for good B-roll. It'll probably be shit, mate, but who knows? It could be something incredible. Okay, let's, should we should we uh, give it a go? Yeah, let's crack into it. Cue the all intro. Right. A few moments later. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of the Putback Podcast, your new favourite place for all things NBA. We're your hosts. I'm Tom. And I'm Ash. We started this podcast for one simple reason, and we wanted to talk about basketball. As we're both British, that's not commonplace, although we do acknowledge that there's a growing British podcast scene, which is fantastic, and we're now part of it. Absolutely. We, we're glad to be sort of getting started. And, um, you know, we just thought we'd do a brief explanation of, you know, what got us into basketball and the sport and, um, you know, our history and how we decided to start this. Uh, so, Ash, why don't you, why don't you uh, get us going? I've written about my basketball journey before. Um, I, I have a blog that I've kind of written some thoughts into, but I'll summarise it really briefly in that when I was growing up, the UK national sport of football or soccer, I absolutely detested, um, but my friends were all completely obsessed with it. Um, so it's essentially, like I say, the national sport. And as a kid, not liking the national sport when you're growing up is pretty tricky. I agree. Um, yeah, for sure. But I was fortunate enough that when I got to secondary school or high school, um, I was able to play basketball, which is really great. And it's kind of the sport I fell in love with and dedicated most of my time to. So I was around 12 or 13, I guess, when I first played. And from there, I really just fell in love with it. Um, I was dribbling a basketball to school um, and I was just playing it all the time, essentially. And yeah. of course, when you <laughs> when you start a sport, you kind of got to talk the talk, too. So I needed a team. Um, I kind of inherently heard of Kobe Bryant. And uh, I, I watched, I think I watched the game. It was like really early in the morning sometime. I can't remember how I how I found it. I think it was like a, an illegal stream at the time. And um, I saw Kobe play for the first time and I was just amazed. It's one of those players that you, a bit like the Roger Federer of tennis or the, or the Messi of football. Oh, yeah. yeah you, you could watch them and and something special would happen every time you watch. So, yeah, my, my love for the game kind of grew from there, I guess. Um, I don't play much anymore, largely because I'm awful now. Um, kind of always was but uh, also the opportunities in the UK aren't always there um, so I played a bit at uni um, in the last couple of years but I think now I've left uni and finished that that's kind of the end of the chapter of me playing basketball and so now I run a small fan page the Global Laker fans and uh, I put my thoughts and efforts into basketball through that so uh, and now this as well of course so uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. That, that's kind of my story. We might share some similarities in fairness. We we might. I think there's there's definitely some similarities. I mean, going into sort of my my journey into this, you know, I first got into basketball, I was about six, and me and my brother used to watch Space Jam. During the summer holidays, we would watch it every day, partly because of the Looney Tunes, but obviously because of Michael <laughs> Jordan. And he was my hero. He was literally my hero at that age. And, you know, I think at that age in the UK, basketball just wasn't on tv you know there were no highlights on tv there were no highlight shows unless you had sky sports in the uk uh, which is sort of pay-per-view um you didn't really yeah. get to see american sports um and my family we didn't have sky we didn't have a sky box we didn't have any kind of cable tv that was um, the struggle for a lot of people definitely absolutely and, <laughs> you know, so, so the sport we saw was soccer and even then it was just fa cup soccer which if if you're american fa cup is sort of how would you how would you describe the FA Cup to people who don't know soccer? Um, it's just like a, a big trophy that's around Robin, really. That's as much uh, as I know about it, mate, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my my basketball obsession has sort of come and gone, and you know, ebbed and flowed since then, really. Which is no way to watch it. I just sort of picked it up when I could. 
my parents would buy me sort of sort of games. The first game they bought me was uh, NBA Live 06 for PS2. Um, oh yeah, classic. That kept me quiet. Um, but it wasn't until I was in university that I started following it more. And you know, you'd be able to go down to the the local bar and sort of see games on 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 the t- on the TV. And that was that was a big thing for me. And I met a couple of people at uni who were into basketball, and we play pickup every now and then. And I just got more into it and started buying the 2K games every year and watching highlights every week and just keeping a track of it a little more until I decided that I wanted to talk about it, which uh, led me to Ash, who, you know, we were in school together. So yeah, I knew that he probably want to talk about basketball. I knew he ran the this Laker fan page. Secretly, I always wanted to play basketball when I was in school. So I, uh, I did actually want to join the school team with Ash, but um, I was heavily involved in other sports outside of school. And my parents were terrified of me getting injured. So uh, I never joined, but I, I do regret that. Yeah, so, yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? That if you yeah. if you didn't pick it up originally, you kind of just the wave continues without you, and uh, absolutely you're left behind and, with it. You know, the the school team, you and uh, a couple of other people that you know we were all friends with, but from an outsider looking in, that was it was quite a tight knit bunch. So every year I was like, maybe I'll try out, but I ended up not doing it. But that's sort of led us to led us to where we are now so and i think the structure for sport in the uk is entirely different to that of the us i mean um oh totally you're you're geared up for one thing in the uk and it's it's never basketball <laughs> whereas in yeah, the us absolutely. you've kind of got that option haven't you of the um of the football star stardom and the the um the basketball route but um yeah, yeah. And, and the multi-sport star in in collegiate and high school varsity that's completely different you know you, you don't get sort of tunneled into one sport you can play different sports you know there's LeBron James played football as a kid um you know there's Tony Romo who played basketball as a kid who was the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys for years so you know it's just we don't really have that here the, the setup for sport the youth sport here is not good um yeah and I, I kind of uh, along the same lines as your stories that when I got to uni kind of you're you're around a lot more like-minded people and the opportunities absolutely. are there so um they have the like the university tournaments for all different sports. I think it's called Bucks, essentially, yeah. where you it's kind of like a national competition. And so, I mean, I never played competitively because I think by the time I got to that stage, I was just not as good as those people around me, um, just circumstantially. Yeah. But I mean, um, yeah, uni, when you're around like-minded people, like you say, you can just go to the students' union and watch the NBA playoffs at three in the morning yeah. with a beer in your hand. And it's... Um, it's a different sort of culture there, but it's just a shame that it didn't extend further back to our sort of, well, our childhood, I guess. Not the drinking bit, yeah. but the... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was totally different. And I, I had a different uni experience to a lot of people because my university was all on campus. There was an entire campus of, you know, you'd live at uni. Um, and in the UK, that's not common. In the UK, normally universities are in cities or big towns and you have a student's halls of residence um, somewhere in the city or in the town and you sort of commute into uni every day. Mine was completely different. My, I lived at uni. So um, it was kind of a little bit more like an American campus. Yeah. Um, a, a basketball courts. I think we had like six basketball courts just outside my, you know, my flat. So um, you know, it, was a, it was a lot different. And there was a def- definitely a different sort of feel about the university that I went to. And that helped with, you know, meeting like-minded people if you were out shooting a basketball or you know doing something onto the on the basketball courts you'd meet new people and yeah. i think that's just how 
that's how the sport grows really in this country. Yeah, and I think with the BBL going the way it is, I think there's a lot more growth potential there. Um, I mean, I caught a yeah. few games in Plymouth where I was living for uni, uh, Plymouth Raiders, and um, it was it's just really great to just see the competitive sport and see the BBL in action. Um, but it's just not to that level of the NBA, just because there's priorities elsewhere with things like football, rugby, and you know, even cricket, tennis, whatever you name it, yeah. it's kind of got the upper hand just for the historical, um, from the historical investment. So, well, there we are. That's our stories. Um, they're they're both similar in a way, and we've we've kind of emerged into the basketball fandom area quite late, which is uh, which yeah. is interesting. Um, but with also without a lot of playing experience, and you'll find that a lot across the UK. Even those that are kind of heavily invested in the sport uh, won't have competed at a particularly high level. So it's a uh, it's a tough one being a basketball fan in the UK. But here we are. It really is. Um, it really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we're going to talk more about it. So uh, in our upcoming episodes and whatnot, we'll go into a little bit more detail about different things and and all that. So that's 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 exciting. So to structure the um, episode today and perhaps moving forwards as well we're going to try and include the type of kind of top five talking points that tom and i are going to discuss um so those are things that have happened in the league quite recently which if you are following the league has been quite a lot going on um, over the last few weeks particularly this week just gone but also some of the signings and trades over the the summer and the bubble basketball etc um but we're also going to follow up with our um two put back throwback moments uh so those are moments where we're looking to discuss the um, the events of NBA past, let's say, um, and kind of acknowledging the and pay tribute. Written in the annals of history. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so we get to talk about some of the legacy players and historic events of the league, um, and we really will just go as far back as we really want to with those. Yeah, and it's it's the sort of thing that we would have heard about when we were kids because yeah. we didn't hear a live basketball, so we would hear about the sort of stories of the past, the main events and stuff as well. Yeah, so. I mean, how many times have I just, I've seen nothing on the news over here about basketball and then it's like, oh, such and such won the NBA uh, championship and that's all you see. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, the historic and main events um, we're, we're going to get quite into. So uh, that's really exciting. But yeah, without further ado, let's get into it. And I think we'll start uh, this week with the amazing Steph Curry. Yeah. Oh boy. Has he had a good start to the year? He sort of started slow, but um, and then just all of a sudden, that game happened. Um, I haven't actually got the stats in front of me, but I think it was 61, point, uh, 61 points, uh, his all-time game record. Yeah. Um, and his Warriors have been you know, one of the best teams in the last decade. But this, this season, they're not the same Warriors. You know, they're without some of their best players. They're without Clay Thompson. And you know, KD's obviously left uh, last season. And you know, without Iguodala, without Andrew Bogut, and Seeker sort of been left with no option but to throw Curry the rock a, a little bit and you know adapt and yeah there's definitely Steph Curry definitely that expectation on him to kind of pull the team through um, and I mean being without Clay as well is completely heartbreaking because Clay is such a great player great shooter and a great guy for the team um, so it's a yeah it's a real heartbreaking thing um, yeah he's he's a real culture guy and uh, I think Draymond's the same yeah um, and with Draymond, I think Draymond missed some games last year. Um, and that was a real, that was a real sort of bummer for that team. You know, they, they missed two of their leaders. And as much as Steph could carry a team, um, he can't carry a team completely on his own. He does need help. Yeah, um, it, you you won't find Steph in the paint pulling down ten boards, uh, <laughs> making up for the rest no, of the team. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. However, um, someone said that 
Steph Curry and Draymond Green combined for 63 points the other day, and it was Steph Curry for 62 and Draymond for one. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, I mean, that's not really Draymond's game. Draymond's more sort of in the paint, pulling down uh, boards, as you say. But, um, yeah. I think we're definitely seeing the Steph Curry that will take us to pretty much the end of his career now. I think we're seeing that leadership, Steph Curry, the Steph Curry that makes people around him better. I think, we're I think he's what, 32 now? He was drafted in. 2009 so i mean he's been about um for a while i think yeah. interestingly he was the number seven pick as well in 2009 i might have that wrong he was the number seven pick. yeah do you want to know who was picked ahead of? yeah go on have you got them uh so the first selection was blake Griffin. right he's winding down uh, then, for sure uh hashim tabi right uh, memphis grizzly yeah uh James harden was picked three tariq evans four ricky rubio five johnny flynn six and then steph Curry. That's a really interesting set of picks prior to Steph Curry. <laughs> it, it's, it's a very interesting set. I mean, I used to love watching Blake Griffin. I mean, when he played for the Clippers, absolutely loved watching him because he was just so exciting to watch. He's so athletic. And, oh, absolutely. And, and physically, um, the prowess he had um, was just insane. But yeah, I mean, when you compare him to Steph Curry, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe hindsight's a, it's the wonderful thing, isn't it? That um, <laughs> you've now got the, one of the greatest shooters of all time versus some of the least known players. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> Why well, I, I keep seeing sort of people redrafting that year and um obviously now with hindsight, Steph Curry would go first. But it, it would be a toss up between James Harden and Blake Griffin for who goes second. Um and then DeMar DeRozan was picked two picks later. So Yeah. I, I rate um, DeMar DeRozan to be fair. Um there were some rumors of him moving around to the Lakers and there was a lot of anti DeMar. But uh, I, I really welcome that actually. I think he's a great player. But yeah, Steph's yeah, an interesting is. one. Um, I mean, his his shooting percentage so far this season, I think over 12 games, is a little bit lower than what we'd usually expect. But then he spent so much time out of the game last season that it's kind of expected. Yeah. He's Absolutely. still averaging nearly 30 points a game, which is which is great for a, you know... That's nuts, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. I think with Steph, though, it's yeah. it's great to see now that the, the draft classes that are coming through, you're starting to see his influence, the the way in which the NBA is moving towards the the three-point game, the mid-range is kind of disappearing. Um, so you can yeah. see that his impact is is now being had on the, the generations coming through, and it's only going to continue. Um, you know, how many players Definitely. in 10 years' time are we going to see pulling up from the logo and, you know, flinging a shot in like it's nothing? Probably 90% of them. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be Dame Lillard and Steph Curry setting the, setting the uh, yeah, bar for, for everyone sure. else. for sure. The game is moving to the perimeter and has been for about 10 years now. So, I mean, you've got... LeBron and the Lakers shooting threes as well. So it's you've got paint players now learning how to shoot threes. It's getting dangerous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you beat them boys in LA? That's the that's the question, isn't it? You know, the reigning <laughs> champions. <laughs> You'll hear a lot of my bias. Yeah, let's um, let's uh, <laughs> let's summarize the the Lakers championship. Then this is kind of point two of our uh, top five. Uh, so I'll take you from the beginning where it kind of all started, um, give you a little bit of an overview of what happened uh, for those of you who aren't familiar. Uh, so back in July of 2019, Anthony Davis, the great Anthony Davis, was traded to the Lakers. In At the time was kind of a bit of a, for some, a worrying move because we traded away Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart yeah. and a whole load of I think they were definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, when Lonzo Ball was first um, drafted to the Lakers, I remember Magic Johnson saying that he was the future of the franchise, the face of the franchise. Um, then obviously things changed. Uh, we lost Magic Johnson from the organization in in that respect. Yeah. Um, some really interesting memes of that. Um, 
but yeah, we gave up a lot of the future as well because we 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 traded away a few picks and whatnot. But boy, did it work out well because we had we had LeBron James anyway, and then we got Anthony Davis. So it was just crazy, um, and it's a kind of a league dominating lethal combination. Yeah, I think as soon as people saw Anthony Davis was going, I think most people started to think it's championship or bust. Yeah. Really. Um, so it gave us a lot to look forward to for the nineteen twenty season, um, and they started with a sixteen to seven run by the end of December of that year, which included a fourteen to one run in November alone. So uh, we started things off well, um, kind of mirroring how we're working at the moment. To be fair, we're seven and zero on the road, so that's that's really great news. But then obviously we had the event on the twenty sixth of January. We're coming up to the anniversary almost of that, um, where disaster struck. Um, on what was a sleepy Sunday, um, certainly for me anyway. Um, I found out in the the evening of the Sunday that we'd lost Kobe Bryant and uh, his daughter Gigi and the seven others um, in the tragic crash accident. And that's something that was covered on the um, on the news over here in the UK. And there was a huge reaction here too. But I guess despite the loss to the Lakers organization, we, we pressed through. We took the playoff spot early. Um, we took number one actually in the Western Conference spot. So it's honestly so, so pleased with the way the guys hustled around and kind of using that uh, Mamba mentality to, to push through. And then, obviously, five days after clinching that spot, the season was suspended in light of the uh, global pandemic. Uh, unless you've been living under a rock, you'll be aware that we are well in the midst of one of the worst pandemics in human history for many reasons. Yep. Uh, we won't get too into that. That's not the purpose of the podcast. <laughs> no, for you. No, the, uh, the world is a dangerous place at the moment where other people are infectious to other people. That's uh, never good, being social creatures. But uh, I think the... Um, the key message from this really is that um, we, we've had a tough time as, as an organization. Um, so uh, we were super pleased that when it came to bubble basketball, we had some uh, some late additions. So J.R. Smith, Dion Waiters, but obviously there's two sides to every coin and we lost Avery Bradley, who we thought defensively was going to be kind of the rock moving forwards in some respects, um, certainly for the guards anyway, um, in the playoffs. But um, we, we had a really good outcome, actually. Obviously, because we won. Uh, but we, we saw some players show up that we weren't um, kind of expecting. So Rajon Rondo, so one of the league's uh, veteran point guards, had some amazing games. And he's, he's an elite. Yeah, yeah, Rondo. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to mess with Rondo. He, he scared, scares the hell out of no. me. Um, but he's a fantastic player and he just knows the court so well. And I think um, for him to have won the championship with the Lakers, having played for the Celtics so early in his career, was just... Um, the irony in that is hilarious, but uh, <laughs> it, it was great to see. We had Bubble Cheese and Dion Waiters. We also had Danny Green hit the backboard more times than I could probably have counted. Um, but somehow, yeah, we pulled it off. But you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis um, off now, the back of an insane season. And they're motivated in the spirit of Kobe and surrounded by some even better players now. So uh, I'm really hopeful that we can push forward from number 17 to grab number 18. But uh, yeah, it, the, the league is changing even throughout the season so quickly. And I think the the global pandemic is kind of intensifying those changes quite a lot. I think yeah. with bubble basketball, we saw the real players in a lot of players, those who did show up and those who didn't. But I mean, yeah, we've made some great additions to the team now. We've got um, Schroeder, the uh, the German guard, Montre Harrell, Mark Gasol. It's good to see the Gasol name back in the Lakers uniform again. <laughs> it must be, uh, must be a sort of... Yeah, it's great. Because uh, I mean, I personally would prefer that Power was there too, but uh, we can't have everything. And I think um, we've got to think about what's best for the team. But we're on a seven and zero run on the road at the moment, so we're we're in a good position. Um, and we've made some upgrades, so we've got um, some some better shooters. We've shipped Danny Green over to Philadelphia, so that's um, that's great news. Um, 
and we've got now Wes Matthews who who can really change a game from three um, a little bit more reliably than Danny Green. Um, so yeah, we're we're in a position to to potentially go back to back, but there are some other things in the works in the NBA that are going to be tricky for us. Um, I mean, I'm confident, but then I'm biased. Obviously, yeah, I think I think the, the smart money would be on the yeah. Lakers right now. You know, obviously, there's in the East, there's there's teams that could you know threaten, but I think in the West, you've pretty much got it. Maybe Denver, you know, if they get there. You would say together. that, Tom. Um, <laughs> I would say that. I would say that. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a Nuggets <laughs> fan. Um, among among other one teams, of three. <laughs> one of three teams. I know one of three fans, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. We, we can't be complacent. I think yeah. that's the key thing. But uh, yeah, no, I, I feel confident. I feel like we're in a good position. We're doing particularly well early in the season, and I think we've kind of got that chemistry built that a lot of teams are still working on. It really depends yeah. on how the season moves forwards. We've had a lot of postponed games, not for the Lakers, but for for other teams because of the the pandemic. And there's some other issues as well. Being the new trade too for James Harden, which we're about to talk about now. But uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. But I, I'm quietly confident. I'm not quietly confident. I talk about it all the time. I think we're going to go back to back. I think with LeBron James, the best player of this generation, at least, or his generation, I should say, this generation coming has yet to be determined. But um, yeah, I think we're in a good position. I think Anthony Davis is is not even at the peak of his career yet. Um, so I think as long as we've got the right cast, supporting cast around those two, I don't think too much can go wrong, to be honest. That's all for the Clippers anyway. The Clippers are the ones making all the mistakes and, and tripping up and and whatnot, much to my pleasure and satisfaction to see them lose and fail. Historically, historically, that's yeah, how it yeah. happens. I mean, there's only one team in LA. We, we right. both know that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, James um, Harden. Do you want to run us through <laughs> what's been going on there? I mean, when we started talking about this podcast, it was you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we were sketching out the plans for what this episode would look like, and James Harden was still <laughs> a rocket then, and it was just rumours. Those rumours apparently turned out to be true, and I messaged Ash um, during the week. It was just like James Harden's yeah. now a net, and, and I don't think I don't think we would see it happen, but it, it's happened. And he's he's a bit like Marmite, as we say in the UK. Uh, you either love yeah. him or you hate him. Um, I, I mean, James Harden is undeniably a fantastic player. Um, I think there were a lot of questions surrounding the circumstances he was in. And obviously, we truly don't know the, the thought process there with regards to what he was going through with the, the Rockets franchise. But I mean, from an outsider's perspective, it seemed as if he was letting his eye off the ball. And that kind of sent a message to the franchise that, OK, this guy is going gonna, gonna to mess us around if we don't make the right move for his career, which is all centered around winning, of course, as a competitor. I mean, to draw it back to the Lakers, Kobe's on record saying that he didn't think that the the type of basketball that James Harden sometimes exhibits is winning basketball. But I think now he's in a position with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving and the Nets to, um, to, to change the way in which he plays for the better. And I think that's truly going to be winning basketball more often than not. Um, particularly as we saw last night with, uh, without Kyrie, um, Harden had the, uh, the triple double. Yeah. And it was an NBA record. It was 32 points, uh, 12 rebounds and 14 assists. That's the most anyone's ever had. On a day yeah, with any it's crazy, huh? Um, yeah, and I think maybe Steve Nash looks at that and goes, "All my Christmas yeah. have come at once." Um, but not only that, I think he looks at it and goes, "Well, if we don't have Kyrie for, I don't know, you know, if we say fifteen games in the year, if, we, if they don't have Kyrie games, for, Kyrie for fifteen games, then they can yeah. probably be okay." I mean, we saw um, uh, point guard Harden last night. Um, definitely, I mean, the triple double. You know, he's he's dishing out everything here. Uh, so, uh, and I mean. 
Uh, Kevin Durant, I mean, incredible scorer. He's what he was fifty four percent, I think, for this season so far. But I mean, some of the passes Harden was dishing out yesterday, they were dreamy. They were, you know, they were arriving in stride, as they were saying American football, in stride, you know, right in the bread basket, right in the right place. Yeah. Um, I, I imagine Kyrie turned up the train. <laughs> I certainly would if I were him. Um, but I mean, that's a separate yeah. situation. I, I I have no idea what's going on there. There was the video put together of outing him as being with his. I think it was with his sister for a 30th birthday, you know, fair enough. But obviously in light of the, the pandemic and, and whatnot, and some of the other kind of uh, social issues that are going on to social inequality, those being huge issues. Uh, there's a lot of question around kind of what he's going to be doing moving forwards. Um, and I think that remains to be seen. But as you say, I think the Nets would be okay. Whether or not they've got that depth, though, moving yeah. forwards to make a to make a strong run in the playoffs, um, I don't know without Kyrie. Well, they gave up the farm. Yeah. In getting, um, you know, they, they lost Levert. Uh, they lost Jarrett Allen, uh, Kurux, and uh, Tayshaun Prince. They've lost three first-rounders. Yeah. The future is disappeared. Um, from... You know, they, they, they gave up a lot. And Karis, I mean, it has sort of worked out okay now because Karis Levert, it was reported this morning, he's out indefinitely with a match mm. on his kidney. Levert was the third-best mm. player on that team. Um, and when Kyrie wasn't there, the second-best. Um and Jarrett Allen as well. I, Jarrett Allen's a strong player. I don't know why, you know, you dish a player like that. But if you get James Harden, then you, you kind of yeah. See I mean, those three are the kind of three players you you throw into NBA blacktop on two K. Um, Kyrie, KD, and James Harden, and you'd have a great time. So I mean, for the three of them, if they can get it together, and you know, if Kyrie does return quite promptly, and he's in the right mindset, um, these guys are going to iron out some of those early turnovers, and I'm really it's a lot of um it's a lot of shooting power yeah there's a lot there a lot of potential ready to go that is is kind of worrying but i mean i always look at it from a lakers point of view and how we would defend that but i mean um a lot of teams would truly struggle in the league and i think the lakers would be challenged but i mean i think they'd be fine i think brooklyn has the east now i think i think that's a um that's a strong team are they playing um milwaukee next is that what's happening i'm not Quite so on their schedule. I think they might have the Bucks soon, or uh, so that would be interesting to see Giannis um, go up again. Yeah, they play the they play the Nets on the nineteenth. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm I'm with it. <laughs> so you see, you got Giannis versus uh, yeah. KD and Harden, and so it'd be interesting to back, see how that so. plays out um, because that's obviously a huge challenge for them. Um, but uh, yeah, Giannis is um, is next level. He's uh, he's a very dominant player. And he just committed to the Bucks, isn't he? Long longer term. So um, he just signed a huge yeah. huge contract although if we go back to Kyrie I don't know what you know teammates would make of what Kyrie's doing you know there's there's players that are missing a lot a lot of things you know so that they can play basketball and then you've got Kyrie going off and doing stuff Kyrie's one of the you know the better paid players in the league you know if you see your teammate going and doing that what you know what's does that do to team around team chemistry I don't know I think um, there's a bit of a difference between kind of what James Harden was doing and what Kyrie's doing I think Kyrie is um, committed now to some of the other stuff going on. So the social inequality things, he's been showing up to different um, talks on different things. I think with James Harden, the way his teammates were talking about at the time in in Houston, were talking about what he was doing. There was a lot of disrespect felt. I think with Kyrie, maybe it's slightly different. Like like I say, I think it remains to be seen. But yeah, I I really rate Kyrie as a player. Um, I've always enjoyed watching him play. Um, I think he's got a good game. I think he's one of the better point guards of this generation. So, uh, yeah, like you say, I think moving forwards, it's going to be tough. Um, 
we'll just have to see uh, maybe we'll pick that up in the in a future episode um, in more detail yeah. but yeah the the brooklyn nets look good uh, i mean they were playing the orlando magic who were kind of shorthanded in many ways but uh yeah they uh, they played well um no thanks to kevin durant i should say i think really the star of the show there was him with his shooting effort um i mean james harden's always yeah. going to put up good numbers but it doesn't always win the basketball game so um i think yeah props, props to kd and it, it was a tough yeah. game until just at the end. It was a tough game yeah. until right at the end there. Uh, Vucevic, Vucevic looked good. Um, I think Harden was always going to Yeah, gonna I go mean, off. you know, he, he's a basketball player. He can play with any team anywhere and still play his best and be great. Um, but I think as that chemistry builds, it's going to be an interesting one to watch. Like I say, removing those turnovers early Definitely. in the game and figuring out those those angles and whatnot. And Harden said in his post-match sort of interview that... Um, you know, it felt good yeah. to be out there, but um, he, he was turning the ball over too much. So, Jesus, you know, what's it going to look like yeah. when he... Yeah, it's, uh, it's worrying. And obviously, uh, the thing we have missed out on is that Kevin Durant and James Harden played in the past with the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. So, uh, yeah, yeah they've, uh, they know each other's game. Um, obviously, things have moved on and changed, but um, I think the bare bones of basketball doesn't really alter too much as you head through your career. You see players develop their no, skills, no. but you don't necessarily see the core of their game change so much. Um, not always the case, but I think those two are going to be good together um with with or without Kyrie I hope to see Kyrie return to uh complete the trio but if he's got his mindset on other things um you know it's best he does what makes him happy so uh and I think that's the same with James Harden as well it's nice to see him smile it is it's nice to see him happy and we had a conversation sort of earlier in the week just saying you know what's the betting that James Harden comes back in two weeks time has yeah. lost 90 pounds and is back to James the Harden uh the weight issue is something ago. that's uh I've seen a lot of on social media I think there's a lot of uh perspective issues on that in the um some of the images that i've seen don't look to be you know great lighting this that, and the other so i think um i think he's all around uh, probably not in the best condition he's ever been in but i think moving forwards that's not going to be an issue he's still dropping triple doubles um and uh in his in his debut game so uh, <laughs> i don't think they have anything to worry about with his condition and i think the issue is yeah. he just wasn't training and i think that might have been the cause of the problem you know okay you're playing a game you're playing maybe 30 minutes a night but you know if you're not doing the training then of course there's going to be you yeah. know issues with conditioning but i, think I don't know what's the food like in strip night. clubs i wouldn't but... know <laughs> good <laughs> i have no idea I've, yeah, I've heard yeah. maybe we'll do some research on that one probably not though anyway moving swiftly on what have we got next tom so we're gonna yeah. have a look at the rookies um and we've had some some pretty good rookies we've got four that we've picked out you know, Lamella Ball, uh, James Wiseman, Tyrese Halliburton, and yeah. uh, Patrick Williams. They're looking like some of the best rookies to come out uh, into the game this year. Lamella looks the best yeah. of the bunch. Um, although, you know, not surprising, he's had a year playing. Yeah, he's got that game experience so. um, from... It's the breadth of experience I think he's got there. Uh, but also being from a basketball family, it's quite yeah. a bonus and benefit. I think he's commented on that, saying that he's he's used to, used to playing against um, tough players in his older brother, Lonzo Ball, and Obviously, his uh, his other brother as well. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's um, I mean, personally, from my perspective, I'm not so hot on the rookies at the moment. Um, so I've kind of only got that kind of browsing through social media insight into how they're all performing. Um, but I've seen a lot of Lamelo, and I think for the right reasons as well. I know he's not been playing huge minutes, but he's definitely changing the game for Charlotte and increasing their win percentage. I think to some extent, so early in the season, so they look good. They look like a good Gordon Hayward has come in and swatted in perfectly there. Uh, an underrated player, I think, Gordon Hayward, but um, Lamelo has definitely sort of come into that situation and yeah. made things better. And um, 
by all accounts in Australia, he was loved by his teammates. He owned, he part owned the team, um, but they loved playing with him down there, and they were sad yeah. to see him go. But um, he's going to be, a, he's going to be a star. He's going to be probably better than Lonzo. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Lonzo Ball is an interesting one because um, I think he's a great player, but I just don't think he was ever going to be what the Lakers initially sold him to be, or were trying to convince the rest of the league he was going to be. I think Lamelo has kind of got that extra level of confidence and that cockiness and drive. So, um, yeah, watch this space with him. I think um, as his confidence develops and his minutes go up, I can only see it getting better for him. Um, he's a tall player. He's a long player. Um, but he's got great, great control of the ball and a real good vision for the game. So um, I'm uh, I'm excited to see him progress. Oh, definitely. His passing vision is, is not a rookie passing vision. He, he can see the game develop way yeah. quicker than a lot of other players. Uh, yeah, James so Wiseman. James Wiseman, um, he's an interesting pick. And I think a lot of teams would probably say that moving forwards long term, they prefer to have James Wiseman than they would Lamelo Ball. I mean, that swings and roundabouts really for me. Uh, Wiseman is a is a great player. Um, he's a good paint defender. I think he's averaging close to two blocks a game. He's got like six rebounds a game over 12 games so far. I think is it 12 games. Maybe it's not quite that many. I don't know. I'm not quite so hot on the, yeah. the Warriors um, schedule. But uh I think he's going to be a, a double-double machine moving forwards. Um, he's already recorded one, I think, um, yeah. versus Portland in January. It doesn't pass the ball. It's not possible. I think he's, I think he's averaging 0. 0. 0. 0.4. <laughs> that's okay. So far this season. He's developing. That's all right. And that's, that's where those garbage minutes will come in handy. Um, certainly from a, a Lakers perspective, we've seen some of the best play from some of our players, uh, Taylor and Horton Tucker in particular, in some of the later minutes of the game. And uh, it just shows promise in a player's game. And, I don't think there's any uh, anything wrong with that. But yeah, he had a, a bit of a, an interesting time. I think it was at college where there was some discrepancies, a legal case as well. So he missed some games and whatnot. So I'm really excited to see him long term. I mean, I've already seen some of his highlights and there was the dunk over Bol Bol where he basically just, Bol Bol disappeared into the oh ground. Boy. I don't know what happened Bol there. Bol. And he's a long player. I see a lot of promise with James Wiseman. Um, I'm really excited to see him continue. Uh, he's seven feet tall at 19, so he's obviously got a lot of potential. Um, he's got a lot of physical physical attributes, um, his size being the key thing and the length that he has. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to be a yeah. a great player to watch moving forwards. Um, I'm excited to see him develop anyway. He's the kind of player that I'd like to see with the Lakers at the moment, like a developing, uh, decent centre uh, moving forward to give that sort of paint protection and, and whatnot. But um, we'll see in the future, see what happens. Definitely. And uh, I mean, we're moving on to another player that looks, looks really great at the moment. Yeah. That's uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, he, he's looking great for the Kings. And, you know, it's a team that has a history of drafting yeah. pretty pretty good players uh, and then not doing anything with them. Um, but he looked to be a really solid pick for them. Uh, he has a field goal percentage of uh, 52.2 yeah. uh, for the season so far. Well, average. Damn, you know, it's, a, it's a pretty good average for a rookie. Um, 11.9 points per game uh, and he's improving all the time. It's close between him and Wiseman for who's second best at the moment um, behind Lamelo. But I personally would go with Halliburton over Wiseman. Just Halliburton I think it's seems to be a more commonplace though to pick a guard over a, over a big. I think that's just... The, the way that they play, the way that they yeah. can change the game, um, I think the the big man days are fading out slightly, unless the big man can shoot well. Um, you very rarely see those players who can just dominate the paint and pretty much nothing else. So, um, yeah. I... Definitely. They're very different players. It's very hard to sort of yeah. you know, decide between them. But um, he, he looks pro-ready in the 
in the sort of way that Lamello did um, coming out of coming out of college. Um, he does look so ready. But then again, he's on the Kings, so who knows? But um, you don't get to see him that much because he plays the Kings. Um, but I think I think I think be, the biggest thing for him is the way he reads the game. Um, I think he's just got that vision and that. That speaks volumes. You might not have the best night um, offensively, defensively, whatever, but you're you're learning from the game every time you play it. Um, and a lot of players don't kind of have that inherent ability to just learn from basically nothing, just watching the game and being in that atmosphere. So I think he's um, he's got a good read of the game, and I think moving forwards he's going to be good for Sacramento. I'm, I'm pleased for them to 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 have someone like him. Um, he's got a weird shot though. I think it's him that's got yeah. He kind of has that like in front of his body he shot, does. a bit like Lonzo Ball had. I see a lot of likeness actually to Lonzo Ball in some ways. Um, but if he can raise that shot and get that yeah. above his head, above the defender, he's going to be tough to, to guard because you think he's a 6'5 guard. A lot of the time he's going to be kind of up against guys who are maybe slightly slightly smaller than him um, defending him. So if he can if he can raise that shot up, he's, he's going to have a, a great release there and um you'll see him sink a lot more of those from the perimeter so uh yeah one to watch again it's just that slightly bigger point guard there's so many point guards at the moment that are under six two six three and you've got a point guard who is yeah five you know that's it's certainly good to see the, the bigger players returning to the point guard position i think that's um that is good to see um yeah. but uh yeah no, i think he's a really promising player moving forwards um so who's next? Uh, Patrick oh, yeah. Williams on Chicago. Um, Williams he's playing pretty well on a Bulls team which uh, needed a, a pretty solid rookie. Um, uh, I think I think the Bulls were hoping this would be the year where they could sort of build on what was a pretty good team last year with Kobe White and Zach Levine and uh, Laurie Martin and uh, you know I think they've I think they've got a good player there. You know they've got a player that fits into Billy Donovan's system. Um, I think. They were hoping that they were going to make the playoffs. I'm, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. Um, I think they're, they're, they've got a losing record at the moment. Um, but yeah. I, they're not playing bad basketball. It's just they're, they're losing out. He needs to get his field goal percentage up. Um, he's a good player. Came, came out of uh, Florida, Florida State. Um, so a good system. Um, he needs to increase his rebound maybe around five again. Yeah, because as a small forward, it'd be great to see him, um, um, you know, head into the paint and grab a few more of those boards. Oh, he's scoring pretty well. I think it's early, isn't it? It's um, Not many of these rookies are seeing great minutes at the moment, so uh, we'll see. Uh, it's always hard to tell with rookies, isn't it? It is. They don't normally sort of start to show their colours yeah. until around year two, year three. I think, I think the Bulls are hoping Pat would be, you know, the player would be the yeah. next great small forward for the, for the Bulls, but um, they might have to wait a little bit. But I, I think he can do it. He looks, he looks great. He's, you know, got a good jump on him. Um, he, he's getting rebounds, but he yeah. just needs to get a few more and get a few more. I'd love to see the balls back on top again or near the top. Um, I'd, there's a few teams that I'd, yeah, yeah I'd, I think that I, I still feel bad for Derek Rose, of course, um, and the injuries that he sustained. I think that was a really good building time for them. And obviously, with we're what nearly 10 years out of that now, whatever. Um, there's a few teams that I'd like to see kind of develop, and I think the balls are one of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think he's a great player. Like you say, I think I think he could uh, he could make some improvements moving forwards. But again, early days, isn't it? So um, it's early days for all these. I mean, the one player that's probably not early days for is Romero. Yeah, truly competitive. Year, you'd expect him to look good. So it was always going to be hard for these rookies coming in, but 
so far this rookie class is pretty yeah, in a class, I think, following from the, the Zion class, uh, a lot of critics said that it wouldn't be so great, but there are some glimmers of hope in that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no one particularly like Zion. So, the final part of the podcast is the put-back throwback moment, as we eloquently put together that little phrase for you guys. Um, we're going to hashtag it everywhere as well. Uh, so... Uh, it's kind of a little tagline, if you like. And I'm going to go first, Tom, if that's okay. I'm going to hit you with one of the, uh, the greatest single performances in NBA history. And I'm going to take you back to the 22nd of January, 2006. Um, and it's a matchup between the Lakers and the Toronto Raptors. Now, if you're any kind of NBA fan, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's the 81-point game from Kobe Bryant, um, which was the single greatest performance of that decade, I would say, uh, scoring 81 points. He was 28 for 46 shooting. Um, 7-13 from 3 and 18 out of 20 for 3 throws so uh, that was an incredible performance from him um, Jerry Buss uh, was quoted to have said uh, it was like watching a miracle unfold and I know there were players after the game um, saving the uh, the box score sheets and getting them uh, signed by Kobe it was literally just one of those incredible moments that um, the second I think highest scoring record um in NBA history, I think that's seconded uh, to the 100-point uh, performance from Wilt Chamberlain back in the 60s. Um, so really just an incredible feat and uh, something that I will always be in awe of. I mean, I know I always had Kobe down as a great scorer of all time, and that might be, that's been discussed at many levels. Um, but uh, yeah, for me, I just think the way in which Kobe played the game, and that game was just the epitome of his style of game, the comeback victory, um, you know, kind of defying the odds and whatnot. Really, just the mentality that he um, that he endorsed throughout his career. And I still love the uh, the Jalen Rose jokes. Um, I don't think it was really particularly down to Jalen Rose, um, but it was his Raptors, I guess. So uh, yeah, that's my 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 throwback moment. That's my it's one of my favorite games of all time. I frequently watch it. You know, just all the points in the second half from Kobe, Phil Jackson almost taking him out of the game. Um, so uh, yeah, it was. Um, just, just a great moment for me and uh, really kind of just summarises his legacy. Yeah, definitely. That, that, that's definitely a moment that I think I seem to remember that was reported on. Yeah, I think British, so. On British News as well. Um, it's those sort of moments yeah. the sort of things we've heard about. I love that moment. At any one point. You know, we might we might not see a player do that for a, a long time. We'll go on to my moment now. shows Malice at the Palace. Uh, um, mostly because, just like I said, the COVID thing, we didn't hear a lot about basketball in the UK uh, on, on our news, but this is something I remember. Probably for the wrong reasons. On, on the news. <laughs> Probably for the wrong reasons. Um, but yeah, so uh, November 19th, 2004, the Indiana Pacers played Detroit Pistons at uh, Detroit at the, at the Palace of Northern Hills. The Pacers were up. Uh, Pacers were up 97 to 82. I think it was Ben Wallace went up for uh, you know, a garbage time jump shot uh, and run our test. <laughs> went in on him with a huge foul. Wow. Was it a huge foul? Um, it didn't look like much. Ben Wallace that claimed it was um, you know, a bad foul. Interestingly, the referees on that night were some of the ones that were done for match fixing. So Tim Classic. Donahue, yeah. what happened then was you know, pushing and shoving between Artest, Ben Wallace, some of the paces and pistons sort of getting into it. And it was kind of all broken up. Um, you know, the moment was sort of Diffused by a couple of players. Uh, Rashid Wallace helped diffuse helped diffuse it all, which if you know yep. Rashid Wallace, that's not common for him. 
and then run our tests to sort of stack. It was lead on, on it, wasn't it? The, uh, announcing cool. table. Cooling down, I should say. Uh, on the scores table. Yeah. Now, cooling down, and um, someone from the crowd threw a, um, a cup, and uh, it hit him, and he ran into the crowd to uh, talk to yeah. the uh, member of the crowd, and that led to probably one of the biggest riots. It was certainly a sorry before. moment, um, for sure. Probably one of the only ones. It was, it was not nice. It was not pretty. You know, the announcers at the time were saying that is you know, not basketball. We've never seen this before. Yeah, Obviously, there's a lot of disrespect shown from the fans there as well. Um, I guess kind of unsurprisingly. Definitely. Um, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And you know, a lot of players were sort of caught up in you know being in fighting fans. A lot of players got suspensions by the NBA, salary yeah. loss, and uh, things like that. And I will just prove all of them now. Ron Artest, obviously Mr. Welcome, Ironic. <laughs> who's known for a while. He was suspended yeah. for the remainder of the season, formerly in uh, nearly $5 million in salary that year. Uh, Stephen Jackson from the Pacers was uh, suspended for 30 games. Jermaine O'Neal for the Pacers. That's some bad boys in this, I tell you. Um, ben Wallace was suspended for six games, despite him kind of instigating it. A lot was made of the fact that he didn't get a bigger suspension. They thought probably he should have got the same amount of suspension that Stephen Jackson or Jermaine O'Neal got. Anthony Johnson from the Pacers was suspended for five games. Reggie Miller, the great Reggie Miller, was suspended for uh, a game. Chauncey yeah. Billups, Derek Coleman, Elder. There's some Campbell names in this. And maybe the reason we game. know these names, some of these uh, names so well, is because of what happened there. So, I mean, you're talking about them losing money, but I think Ron Artest was a household name after that. <laughs> if you could take a guess, uh, Ash, who would you say would be the only player out of those? Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. David Harrison from the Pacers was the only player not to receive a suspension. I have room. no idea. Ron Artest received yeah. 60 hours of community service. So did Harrison Jackson and O'Neill. Um, I mean, the league has and, been put into question too. many times over um, its kind of penalty notices and things like that. But I think that's a reasonable, to some extent, reasonable amount of, of suspension. Absolutely. And this game changed the league. I mean, there was a lot from them about, um, you know, how players, you know, were allowed to foul during the games, how uh, easy the fans were able to get to the court. So much stuff changed. Yeah. A lot of pressure was put on David Stern um, about this. Um, and easily one of the sort of more famous moments of the last mm. sort of 30 years, really, or infamous moments, for all the wrong reasons. And it's, it's kind of bad that one of Reggie Miller's defining moments of the last few years of his career was Malice at the Palace. Um, you know, we're talking about Reggie Miller, who led the Pacers to um, you know Eastern Conference Finals and true Hall of Famer. But um, like, you know, the Pistons, the Pistons yeah. have always been the bad boys. See, I've always said that we should send Ron Artest in, even in his current state, to uh, to deal with the uh, the Paul brothers over in the US. <laughs> you know, Jake Paul and Logan Paul. I think uh, after the loss for Nate Robinson, I think we need to send Absolutely. him the big guns. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that Ronald Test would, would handle that. Absolutely. I think the, uh, Rashid, yeah. Rashid Wallace and Ben Wallace, so much more yeah. than we could talk about about Mars at the Palace. But that was a moment which, you know, on British news, that was sort of leading headline news. It was a full on riot at a sporting event, and we heard about it in the UK. I do remember I was in. Um, we call it primary school here. I was, uh, I was about six or seven when that happened. Um, so I remember it. Defining yeah, it moment in NBA that. history in some ways, and not for the right reasons. But I think, yeah, I, the league is 
we'll hopefully never see that again. You know, the disrespect from the fans, but also the conduct of the players too. I mean, it's it's water under the bridge now in some respects, but yeah, certainly some a defining moment and some of those names were probably enhanced because of that. That finishes us up for today. But yeah, I've really enjoyed it, mate. Um, hopefully we can, we can get some more of these out. I think we're going to try and do these quite regularly. As ever, if there's anyone listening that wants us to cover anything in particular, just let us know and um, we'll try and get that for you. But uh, right. Cheers, guys. Absolutely. We'll see you next time.